everyone. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports episode 462. Welcome in. It is 3.58 a.m., almost 4 a.m. in the morning. Uh, you may or may not know uh, here in Hawaii, uh, my best friend is here visiting. And uh, I'm spending as much time as I possibly can with him. And in my time in between when I can find time when I'm not hanging out with him, uh, I am recording shows and trying to do as much content as I can. But mostly right now, I'm in a period where I'm just hanging out with my best friend. However, I uh, woke up early. Here we are for you. And let's talk about sports. Um, I want to start with something that is not sports related. And um, I, I want to be careful here. I My philosophy of... Strong Opinion Sports, is that I want it to be a positive show. I want it to be a break from the harsh reality of the world. I do not like talking about anything that isn't related directly to sports. It's just not what I do. Um, there have been a lot of stories that I have completely ignored, knowing full well that I'd probably make a lot of money talking about them because I just don't want to get into it. I really want my show to be a positive place that people can go um, to escape the the really, really hard world which we live in. Um, that being said, Russia just invaded the Ukraine and I don't really want to offer my opinion on it other than to say that death is horrible. And there's a whole smattering of political stuff you get into. I don't, I'm not here to do that. I want to read a, a thing though, a, a comment on Patreon from Nikita. Nikita said, hi, Zach, I am currently in the Ukraine. I was born at a little town called, I'm going to really, really butcher this pronunciation, Ustulia. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I have always loved American sports. My favorite team is the Patriots because, of course, they are. I am very scared currently. There's a lot of uncertainty right now in my homeland. I know you don't like to talk politics on your show, nor would I ever ask you to. But I just wanted to thank you for the work you do. It is the small things in the world like your show that really matter to people like me. I thank you. Nikita, I hope you're doing well. I uh, I don't know what to say, man. I I... I it's horrible. Death is terrible. War is horrible. I thinking about you, Nikita. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you writing in, and uh, I just hope you're hope you're okay. All right, it's going to be a short episode today, I believe. Uh, I want to talk about something from something very heavy and dark. Uh, something that I think hopefully is very cool and inspirational. A high school senior, Adonis Lattimore just won the state title in wrestling in the state of Virginia. It's noteworthy, not because he's a high school kid who won the state championship. That happens in 50 states every year at a bunch of weight classes. No, it's noteworthy because Adonis Lattimore was born with no legs. That, to me, is incredibly cool. Very inspirational. A guy who did not make any excuses. You're born without legs. It would have been very easy for him to be like, I'm not wrestling. I can't. I've got no legs. I didn't wrestle, and I've got all four of my limbs. Apparently, he also has one finger on one of his hands as well. So he's a guy with six fingers, no legs, and he's wrestling and winning a state title. And it's so cool to me. Not only, not only did this guy choose to wrestle, he also won a state title. And I, Adonis, I salute you. That's amazing. Uh, I should probably, think about it, maybe reach out to the guy, try to track him down. There's got to be a cool story there. I'm sure he's been on all kinds of news and stuff, but um, I've got a lot of great respect for wrestlers anyway. It's very hard. You're alone on the mat. 
It's uh, all my best friends in high school wrestled. I was the only one that didn't actually in my friend group. And I respect the heck out of those guys, man. I, I could never, I think, do what they do. Let alone no arms. <laughs> Sorry, no legs. And on one of your hands, you've only got one finger. So six fingers, no legs, one a state title in wrestling. Next time you're feeling a little bit lazy or feeling like you can't do something, think about Adonis Lattimore. That mother effer said, I am not making any excuses. I'm going to go out there, do the very best I can. And he became apparently a dominant wrestler, which is just incredible. So uh, Adonis, again, well done for you. That's the feel-good story of the day. And uh, that's really, really cool, man. Okay, I want to revisit the hiring of Lovey Smith by the Houston Texans. They hired Lovey Smith to be their new head coach. Remember, Lovey Smith was the defensive coordinator last year in Houston, and elevating Lovey Smith to be the head coach helped keep their coaching staff together. And here's the huge news. Here's why I'm talking about this. It's because it kept Pep Hamilton in Houston. Last year, Pep Hamilton was the passing game coordinator and the quarterback coach. Now he's been elevated to the offensive coordinator in Houston. I absolutely love Pep Hamilton. He helped make Davis Mills look really good last year as a rookie quarterback. Um, he can continue that process of developing Davis Mills and working with Davis Mills. Who, like, it's not all the credit should go. Not that all the credit should go to Pep Hamilton. Davis Mills worked really hard and played well on his own too. Like, he's the guy throwing passes. But hey, you have a quarterback coach like Pep Hamilton who works really well with quarterbacks. You're gonna have a higher percent chance of succeeding. And remember, Pep Hamilton was also the quarterback coach who helped Justin Herbert win the Rookie of the Year, taking Justin Herbert a very raw talented quarterback at Oregon into a incredible professional in literally one season who won rookie of the year in 2020. Uh, Pep Hamilton also worked with Andrew Luck. He was once an XFL head coach. I'm hoping he might get a shot someday as if he keeps working to become an NFL head coach. Um, I don't think he's viewed as one yet, but if he does really well in Houston and continues to rise through the ranks, he's going to be a name that's going to come up very, very soon. I absolutely Love Pep Hamilton. He's been great for every single quarterback he's ever coached. And him staying in Houston, Pep Hamilton staying in Houston to work with Davis Mills to build his career, uh, it's good for Houston. It's good for Davis Mills. It's a big deal. And I would not be shocked, actually, if eventually he became the head coach in Houston. We could see a, I could see a reality where Levy Smith steps down or gets out of the way eventually for the young rising star, Pep Hamilton. And uh, keep your eye on that story. I love this guy. He's an incredible quarterback coach. Does not get the respect he deserves around the league. And uh, Pep Hamilton, I, oh my gosh, I'm so glad he's sticking around in Houston. It's pretty glad, uh, pretty, it's pretty glad, that's not even English. I'm pretty glad to have something positive to say about Houston. I feel like all the news that comes out of there is very, very negative. And uh, getting to salute Pep Hamilton is pretty, pretty cool. Now, again, it's been a roller coaster of a show. We started very down. We talked about Adonis Lattimore. We talked about Pep Hamilton. Uh, let's go back down to some sad news. I have sad news. I'm not outraged. Uh, I don't really have the energy to be outraged about anything anymore. The world's a very dark place. Um, I don't, <laughs> I, I'm not really angry about anything. I just get disappointed now. 
Uh, but I am disappointed because the college football playoff will not expand. And this is old news, but uh, I want to cover it now. It's at least not going to expand until at minimum 2026 on the new contract, the 12-year contract with the college football playoff currently uh, will expire. There was a proposal for a 12-team playoff that got submitted and was voted on, and it failed at 8-3. to three. In fact, it was... Eight in favor of expanding the college football playoff to 12 teams, and three voted against expansion. It had to be unanimous in order for it to pass. All 11 votes had to say yes. And unfortunately, uh, the baffling part is that the three that voted no were the Big Ten commissioner, the ACC commissioner, and shockingly most of all, the Pac-12 commissioner, Klavkov. Um... The Pac-12 voting no is a massive surprise to me because I, I feel like they had the most to gain here from expanding the college football playoff. They'd get in more likely. I wonder, are they scared that if 12 teams got in, they would only have one team that represented the 12? Are they afraid of having none get in at all? Like, Do they think they can't get one team into the top 12 in college football? Do they want to wait until Lincoln Riley rebuilds USC? Then they're ready to finally expand the playoff. Like, I don't know. It's super, super weird that the Pac-12 was like, let's not expand the college football playoff. And I feel like they have a lot to gain from that. Um, This is really just a bunch of rich commissioners fighting and disagreeing about petty crap. But the sad result is that this really, really hurt college football. Not only are you missing out on about half a billion dollars of projected revenue from what could have been with potential additional playoff games. The really sad part is that college football fans are getting screwed here because we're still stuck with bad, meaningless bowl games that players don't have anything really to fight for other than pride or to play one final game or whatever. Um, I really, really really want a 12-team playoff because I want meaningful playoff games. I don't care if teams, frankly, 5 through 12 have no shot at actually winning a title, but they'll be playing for something. When I watch, I'm convinced this team has a shot because theoretically they do. I don't care about the Mayo Bowl in Timbuktu or whatever. I just It doesn't interest me. Two teams that aren't playing for anything meaningful like a spot in a championship doesn't compel me anymore. And playoff football is so good. The playoffs in anything are great. March Madness. The NBA playoffs are amazing. Baseball playoffs are amazing. The NFL playoffs were incredible this year. More playoff games, to me, is more fun. (laughs) And the fact that college football doesn't seem to understand that (sighs) made me sad. Uh, It made me sad when I found out that the college football playoff will not be expanding until at least 2026. It means more years of lame bowl games, and uh, I would have really, really liked to see them make a change sooner. Okay, here's a fun story. Again, roller coaster today. Up and down and up and down and up and down. I absolutely love the Portland Pickles. They are a local minor league team in the town I grew up in, Portland, Oregon. They play games at Walker Stadium in Lentz Park. Uh, I grew up in Lentz Park playing with my friends, literally. 
Uh, and by the way, anybody who hates on Portland, I didn't choose to grow up there. I, my family lived there. I can't really choose where I live. I moved away when I could. Uh, but I, I have a great affinity for the Portland Pickles. They're this awesome, awesome team. Their mascot is still in the pickle. They have pickle margaritas. I own a jersey. I actually don't wear it partly because it says Portland on it. I'm not that proud of the city. I wish I'd gotten one that said pickles on it. Um, they actually asked me once to throw out the opening pitch. Uh, I, I regretfully was busy and didn't do it. I would have loved to be able to say, I threw out the opening pitch at a Portland Pickles game. That's a hilarious, incredible thought. Uh, I love them. I have friends who work there. And the other day, I saw my favorite minor league baseball team in the New York Times. And I went, what the flip? I was like, wow, why are they here? Well, what's happening? Here's the story. Apparently, Dylan the Pickle... Uh, the mascot costume, excuse me, got lost at JFK Airport after a trip to the Dominican Republic. Now, they were at a Caribbean baseball series, and the mascot got lost on the way back. Now, here's the timeline. It got lost in JFK, but Delta Airlines found it and sent it to the Pickles team office in Portland. However, it was delivered after hours, and then at 5 a.m., it got stolen from their doorstep. Now, I would love to talk to the guy who stole the Portland Pickles mascot costume. That's an incredible conversation because when he stole it, he probably had no idea he was stealing a pickle mascot. Because stealing a pickle mascot is a terrible idea. You literally can't do anything with it because it's an icon at this point in Portland. Plus, the team was begging for it back on the news. I mean, you wear that thing one time to a... Halloween party, and everyone goes, bro, you're the guy who stole the Portland Pickle costume? Like, you can't ever live that down. It might look a little bit like Pickle Rick, but uh, it, it's actually kind of a... I, I love the mascot because he's hilariously creepy. Go look at... I might have a picture on screen or not if you're watching on YouTube. I took a great picture, put it on my Instagram one time. I adore this mascot. He has a creepy face, like, straight up. But it's, it's part of the charm. It's part of the fun. And... Uh, here is the most Portland ending of all time to this story. Apparently, it got returned to the most Portland place of all time, Voodoo Donuts. By the way, Blue Star Donuts are better. If you're ever in Portland, go to Blue Star Donuts. Voodoo is, is good, but they're just sugary crap. Blue Star, that's like high-quality chefing as far as donuts go. Now, here's the fun question. Was it all PR? It, didn't, it did end up being great marketing. Uh, they got into the New York Times. Shout out to Emily, uh, who works there. But I think they lost it for real because I, the people I know there, I mean, they filed a police report. Like, you don't file a police report for a prank as far as I know. I think that's actually illegal to do, I would imagine. Uh, so I think they really did lose the costume. I think it really did get stolen. It really did get returned. It's actually kind of a beautiful, cool story of a team leveraging their marketability to say, hey, we want our mascot back. No questions asked. Please just return it. And they got Dylan the Pickle back, which thank God I next time I'm in Portland uh, this summer, I'm going to go to a, a pickle game or two. Again, pickle margaritas. Anybody want to meet me there? Margaritas on me. Uh, if you want to have pickle margaritas, have some sunflower seeds, watch a baseball game, hit me up in Portland. Um, nonetheless, I absolutely loved seeing the Portland Pickle all over the media it's one of the best mascot, mascots of all time. Again, it's very strong Pickle Rick vibes if you're a Rick and Morty fan. And, uh, oh, my gosh, I, I love seeing it. I just was like, I was looking at my phone. I'm like, 
the Portland Pickles are in the New York Times. What is happening? And uh, it turns out to be a great story. And uh, hopefully someday I can. I don't know. I'm not going to beg for it. But it'd be cool to throw the opening pitch at a Pickles game. Uh, now that I mean, I did, I did feel like I talked bad about Portland a little bit in that segment. Made fun of Voodoo. I said I, I don't wear my Pickles jersey because I'm not that proud of the city of Portland. Um, hey, again, once I had agency, I left. Please don't associate me with the negative side of Portland. Uh, that's not who I am. Um, and it certainly is not who I want to be. Let's shift gears. It's almost officially F1 season. Uh, the first race is on March 20th. There are a couple changes in Formula One that we need to talk about. Some changes, some news. Number one is this. There will be a virtual race control room that will be used to assist the race director and help apply the rules during a race. Additionally, the procedures of unlapping cars during a safety car are being revised and reassessed. They're not being revised. The, the, The word the FIA used is they're being reassessed, which... Whatever that means, are they being changed or not? Do you have to let all the lap cars through, yes or no? It's like, hey, we hear you, it happened, but we're not going to do anything about it. But we're trying to save face and acknowledge it as much as we possibly can. Uh, Radio messages will not be broadcast on TV. Excuse me, radio messages to the race director will not be broadcast on TV anymore. Uh, Well, more on that in a moment. Michael Massey will no longer be the race director in Formula 1. Two new guys will split the role as race director. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce their names. I'm going to do my very best. Uh, Niels Wittich and Eduardo Freitas. Freitas, Freitas. Uh, Niels and Eduardo Eduardo will rotate throughout the 23 races of the 2022 season. Look, all of this is a direct response to how the 2021 season ended. Many people claim that Michael Massey's interference handed Max Verstappen a title and ripped it away from Lewis Hamilton. These changes are to help remove power from the race director. I think the FIA didn't like that it looked like one guy basically decided it all last year. And so they split up the power literally to two guys. They demoted Michael Massey. Uh, Now there's a virtual race control room that can overrule the race director, it sounds like. So... Uh, They just removed a lot of power from that position of race director to not make it appear like one guy can dictate and decide everything. It's really them covering their tail to make fans and teams happy. Uh, I mean, look, Mercedes was furious last year. It was a very split opinion. A lot of people were giving very negative comments. Uh, I mean, I mean, F1 drivers, like a lot of them were giving comments in support of Lewis Hamilton saying it's a shame what happened. He got robbed. Um. Michael Massey, it's a bit harsh. That's what Christian Horner said. Of course, he would say that, though, because he benefited from what Michael Massey did last year by, you know, letting some of the unlapped cars go through, but not all of them to, you know, remove the gap between Lewis and Max so they could race in the final race of the year last year. Max Verstappen came out on top. He had fresher tires. He beat Lewis Hamilton, won the world title because of it. So Michael Massey is gone. He's been demoted within the FIA. And I just want to say thank you to Michael Massey. He gave us the best moment of the year last year. Not when he handed my favorite driver, Max Verstappen, an opportunity to win a world title. You know, splitting the gap, giving him a chance to overtake Lewis. And not because he made the last lap of the final race last year crazy exciting. 
But thank you, Michael Massey. I'm going to raise a glass to you. Cheers to you. Thank you, Michael Massey, for the best moment of the year last year. This one. Go ahead, Toto. You need to reinstate the lap before. That's not right. Toto? Yes. It's called a motor race, okay? Sorry? We went to car racing. When Toto Wolf, the team principal of Mercedes, complained about the outcome, Michael Massey said, it's a motor race. We went car racing. Really just kind of razzing at Toto Wolf. And I don't do it justice. Look it up. It's hilarious. It's incredible. Mike. The moment of the year. That, that quote, I, it's such an amazing soundbite. I think that people who don't follow Formula One really missed out. Like, the fact that if you're not a Formula One fan, you don't not only understand the context of what happened, but also you probably didn't even hear it. Like, football fans out there, I know you don't love Formula One. Go ahead, Toto. You need to reinstate the lap before. That's not right. Toto? Yes. It's called a motor race, okay? Sorry? We went to car racing. You got to go understand that moment. It's one of the best sound bites I have ever heard in my entire life following sports. It's hilarious. It's incredible. <laughs> it's called a motor race. We went car racing, Toto. Mm, the sarcasm. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. It's, it's a hilarious, amazing moment. And uh, I don't know. There's another noteworthy change in Formula One. Sprint qualifying is being made even more meaningful. Last year, you could get up to three championship points during a sprint. Uh, the top three got points, basically. You know, one point for third, two points for second, three points for first. This year, it's the top eight. That is eight championship points for first place, seven for second, six for third, all the way down until you get one point for eighth place in a sprint. Uh, I love this because they're doubling down on the sprint idea. A sprint race weekend looks like this. You have qualifying on Friday to figure out the order for the sprint. Then you have the sprint on Saturday. It's basically a short race that gives you some points. It also determines the the final order, uh, the, the grid for the big race on Sunday. Then you have the big official race on Sunday. I love it. I think it's fun. What it does to me is a sprint grabs me and gets me in front of a TV for even more time during a race weekend. They want to make more money out of me. I am happy to oblige. I love watching Formula One cars go fast. Zoom, zoom. It's incredible. The drama, the fun is beautiful. I love it. It's a good thing for Formula One. Uh, a sprint is great. And if they want to get me in front of a TV to watch more F1 driving and more F1 racing, hey, I'm, I will happily oblige to that. I will watch more F1 very, very happily without a complaint. Uh, the final news from F1 is this. This is news. Michael Andretti, a former IndyCar and F1 driver, the son of Mario Andretti. He's a, a, a cultural icon. Uh, Michael Andretti is the team owner of Andretti Autosport. They've got an IndyCar team. They've got all kinds of stuff. Andretti has applied to launch a new F1 team in 2024. It would be an American-based team. Uh, kind of cool. I, I'm sure that having the lower budget cap in Formula 1 helped make this more likely. I think part of the move that I didn't think about at the time with the lower budget cap is not only bringing the field together a little bit, but also making the barrier to entry a little bit less daunting for new teams out there that want to be a part of Formula One. Andretti has an empire. People may not realize, like, not only do they have a race team, but they've got, like, a whole... They've really found a lot of ways to make money off of the family name. One thing that comes to mind, they've got this awesome go-kart spot 
in Orlando that I cannot wait to go to in August this year. Me and Caleb are going to be driving indoors, racing each other up and down and all kinds of stuff. It's going to be really, really fun. It looks like real-life Mario Kart. Like, I'm, I'm so down for that. Uh, I think it would be cool to see some names from IndyCar driving in Formula 1. The two guys I want to see, my two favorites, I want to see Colton Herta, who's 21, uh, and I want to see Pato Award, a Mexican driver, is 22. They would be an incredibly fun team to watch in Formula 1. They'd probably get their butts kicked early on, the same way that Haas does. Uh, but these are two young, talented drivers, Pato Award and Colton Herta. I would love to see them driving for Andretti F1 in 2024. And let's hope that happens. More teams, the merrier, in my opinion. It'd be cool to get an American presence in Formula 1. Uh, I feel like I'm the only American in the world sometimes that likes Formula One. So I, I'm very happy to see more uh, American presence in the sport. I promise we'll do our best to not ruin it. It's, I, I like the British things. I like the European stuff about Formula One. Uh, I tip my cap to you guys, actually. Humbly happy to be in the room uh, and apologizing for my very loud and obnoxious uh, brethren here in America. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm mostly kidding. I, so I, I, I gained the British audience, the five people in the UK or in Europe listening. I lost all the Americans. Now they think I hate America. Uh, I don't feel either way. Uh, but I, uh, I don't know. I love you guys. I appreciate you. I'm very, very excited for this F1 season. Should be really, really fun. And uh, man, I'm just excited for F1 this year. It's going to be awesome. March 20th, first race. Uh, it's going to be great. Oh, all right. Uh, now let's go to some questions from the audience. It is time for Ask Zach, my favorite part of the show. In case you do not know how it works, you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler. You give a dollar a month. You can give more if you want to. Please do. It literally helps pay my rent. Uh, but a dollar a month gives you access to submit questions on Patreon. If you submit a question, I do not guarantee to answer it on the show. My only guarantee is I read every single question with my eyeballs to so make the top couple to read on the show. My first stop before I read any questions, I am very hungry. It's 4.24 in the morning. I think I'm going to make a burger after this for breakfast. Is that insane? A burger for breakfast? It's what I have in the fridge. Going to make a guacamole burger. Not bad for 6 a.m., probably. Probably by the time I get this done and, and you know, start making breakfast. But uh, going ziplining today with my buddy Nathan, I need some kind of fuel for the day i was talking about this last night like we have in america we kind of have breakfast backwards where we eat like sugary cereal or yogurt or something light and i think the reality is supposed to eat something heavy like lasagna or pizza where it's your fuel for the day like you don't start a road trip on empty you start a road trip full and every day is basically a road trip so uh which goes along with my you know take every stop along the way fun life philosophy anyway um <laughs> i'm really hungry i'm feeling it now uh, about 27 minutes into the show, I'm like, oh boy, I am ready to eat. So question number one today comes from Brandon. Let me open up the questions. Brandon says, hey, Zach, I am curious about what you have to say about Richard Sherman calling the quarterback Hall of Fame bar so low. I agree. Matthew Stafford isn't a Hall of Famer yet. Key word, yet. He is only now a few Pro Bowls and a first team All-Pro uh, along with some some, uh, I'm going to read my backs up. He only now has a few Pro Bowls and a first team All Pro, along with some statistical yards to be a first ballot result. Hope you're enjoying the off season. I don't understand the end. Are you saying he has a couple Pro Bowls left um, and needs to be a first team All Pro? I don't know. Richard Sherman came out on the attack 
he said. Matthew Stafford isn't a Hall of Famer. Ah! And I, I love I love Richard Sherman. He's a great, he's well-spoken. Uh, I probably did him a lot of disservice there. Uh, nobody said Matthew Stafford is a Hall of Famer yet, though. I believe him winning a Super Bowl just opened the door because the perception of Matthew Stafford is changing. He was viewed as a loser who couldn't win games for years and padded his stats and put up big numbers. And now you look at Matthew Stafford, you go, huh. Well, the one year he was on a good team, he won a Super Bowl, literally one year in. He also uh, has incredible numbers throughout his entire career. If he can win a couple times to end his career, uh, maybe make another Super Bowl, maybe just have some good deep playoff pushes and put up even more yards, and he'll finish top five in numbers and have way more wins than he would have otherwise won a Super Bowl. Like That sounds like a Hall of Fame resume to me, or at least pretty close, like somewhere up there with, I mean, I think the difference between him and a guy who's got also great numbers or like Carson Palmer is a guy with incredible numbers who had a good career, but never won a Super Bowl. I think that hurts him. Donovan McNabb, another guy, incredible career. Um, Hall of very good, great numbers, but he never won a Super Bowl. Like we kind of, I think Stafford winning a Super Bowl put him into a new category where the door is open for him to potentially make it into the Hall of Fame someday. Potentially. Maybe. The word maybe. Not yet. He's not a Hall of Famer yet. Absolutely not. One thing rang very true. I believe I believe Richard Sherman said this. Stafford has never been viewed as the best quarterback in the league at any point during his career. Does that hurt him or not? I would argue that neither was Big Ben. Big Ben, is, for a while in his career, was a top three quarterback, but there were always quarterbacks who were viewed as better. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Big Ben was never viewed as the best quarterback in the league, in my opinion. Neither was Eli Manning. Both Eli Manning and Big Ben are surefire Hall of Fame quarterbacks. It certainly helped that they have a Super Bowl or two. Uh, so relax, everybody. No one's saying Matthew Stafford's Hall of Fame quarterback yet. We're saying, hey, the door is open now. If he's got a good couple of years... I could see it potentially happening, whereas before, without the Super Bowl, it was not going to happen. Matthew Stafford was an overrated quarterback who couldn't win a big game, who had good stats, and was a lot more similar to Carson Palmer than Eli Manning or Ben Roethlisberger. Matthew Stafford is slowly changing the narrative about him. He's a lot better. Go watch that no-look pass you threw to Cooper Cup in the Super Bowl. Oh, my goodness. It is incredible. You're like, he's literally looking off to the right. Moves the linebacker, keeps his eyes looking right, throws back inside to Cooper Cup, and you're like, how did he do that? That's just high-level quarterback play. Okay, uh, Akila writes in and says, Hey, Zach, what do you think about some national media people talking down on the Bengals' season celebration? As a Cincinnati native, I feel it was good to celebrate with the team what this season meant to the city and the Bengals as a whole. But some see it, see it as a defeatist or participant. God, I cannot read today. Some people see it as a defeatist or participation trophy type of celebration. I think any success in the NFL is worthy of celebration. Uh, yeah, so the Bengals held like a welcome home celebration for the year they had. Um, look, here's my, my honest thoughts. Never let anybody stop you from being happy. Who gives a rip if somebody wants to be critical of you enjoying your life? And look, um, I, I just, the Bengals haven't won a playoff game in forever. It was always the Browns, the Lions, and Cincinnati. 
let alone gone to a Super Bowl. It's worth celebrating. That's a huge moment. And I, I'm a guy, I'm kind of a curmudgeon. I've always hated holidays, Christmas, Valentine's Day, Thanksgiving. Like, I'm not a big holiday guy. I think they're overrated. However, I'm definitely softening my heart towards them because, look, if people want to find a reason in this dark world to raise a glass, to drink, to be happy, to celebrate, find any reason to celebrate you possibly can. I recommend that highly. Anytime you can find a reason to be happy or celebrate something, I probably sound like I'm, I'm going through like the most depressing time in my life. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> but look, if you want to celebrate and be happy, be happy. If, if people want to criticize you for enjoying your life, celebrating the year the Bengals had, F them. They're, they're curmudgeons and stupid. They're like, I used to be about Christmas. I used to be like, why are people celebrating Christmas? Well, maybe because they want to. They, it's fun to be happy, Zach. It's okay to find reasons to celebrate things in life. And uh, I think what the Bengals did this year is absolutely worth celebrating. They are no longer a bottom feeder in the league. And they made it to a Super Bowl. Who would have thought they were going to go to a Super Bowl? So, uh, Akilah, never let anyone stop you from being happy. And uh, I'll see you in September, Cincinnati. I made a whole itinerary. I'm very excited. Landon writes in and says, what's a food you've never tried but would love to? Uh, I don't know that I would love to try this food, but I've never had octopus. Sounds interesting. I was at Costco today with my buddy. I saw it and I was like, huh, what are the odds I buy that and figure out how to cook it? I didn't do it, but maybe I'll do it this trip. That's, that's a good idea. I should probably try. You know, the one thing about octopus that I, I don't like is I read the other day that they're sentient, meaning that they're self-aware, like they know they're a thing and they have really high functioning brain power. So you're eating like a, a tentacled human, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do that. I don't know. Ugh, I feel bad there. Um, but, I mean, cows are smart. We eat them. I don't know. Um, the one thing I'm really, you know, the food I'm really excited to eat, Caleb and I in Florida in August are going to try alligator. He's at alligator. I have not. I want to eat an alligator immediately. That sounds great. It's like eating a dinosaur. Hell yeah. I'm, I'm so in for that. Uh, I hear it tastes good. Like, everyone says alligator is actually very delicious. Uh they say it tastes like chicken. I don't know why. Are we living in a simulation? Why does everything taste like chicken? I don't know. But an alligator, hell yeah, I'll eat that. I won't feel bad at all because if it could, it would eat me in a heartbeat. Like an octopus ain't going to hurt you. I never feel bad eating like a top predator that would destroy me in the water. Like, you ever think about swimming in Florida? I don't. I'm terrified. I'm not swimming in Florida. Maybe in the ocean, but I think there's even crocodiles in the ocean. So I just am, ah, Florida, Florida is a... People-filled death trap with humidity. <laughs> and I hear it's beautiful. I can't wait to see it. Um, Zach writes in, interesting question. I think I know where he's going with this. He says, hey, Zach, do you think we'll ever see another play like the Immaculate Reception again? I'm leaning towards no simply because of the technology that is available today. Excited to hear your thoughts. Um, initially, when I read this, I was like, in what way? How did technology play a part? I did some research. I looked it up. I, I knew what the play was. The play was when uh, the ball, you know, t I believe Terry Bradshaw, you know, reaches the ball over, steps back to his left, throws the ball over the middle. Franco Harris, the ball bounces off a receiver's hand, uh, a receiver's back, or a kind of a defender hits a receiver as the ball gets there. The ball bounces back into Franco Harris's hands. He picks it up kind of off the turf and runs for a touchdown. Did the ball hit the ground? I don't know. You can't really see in the grainy old footage from back then. This is the play that created replay. So when you say, will there ever be a play like the Franco Harris uh, immaculate reception? 
Will there ever be a walk-off touchdown again that's crazy and unbelievable? Absolutely. Look at the miracle in the Meadowlands. Look at, gosh, I mean, there's so many plays over the years where you're like, I did not expect a play to end that way, right? That happens all the time. Even the, the fail Mary, uh, Seattle against the Packers years ago. Will there ever be a play where it's completely, truly just you can't tell? I mean, you can actually argue the fail Mary's that play. Um, but and go look up the fail Mary if you don't know what it is. Uh, but, I mean, the, the fact that this play happened before replay, I can't even imagine the bar fights and the arguments and the, it was caught, it wasn't caught. Well, no one knows. Like, what do you do? The ruling on the play stands, it's a touchdown, Franco Harris and the Steelers win. Uh, it's crazy. So will there, will there ever be a play exactly like that again? Probably not. But, I mean, I remember, was it, was it Baylor with RG3 against, I think, Oklahoma? Don't quote me on that. Uh, where they threw a ball over the middle and it bounced in the air, got grabbed by a receiver and run for a touchdown to win the game, basically. Like, that kind of play has happened. Uh, but will there ever be one as significant, meaningful, and controversial as the Immaculate Reception? Probably not. Uh, ENK writes in and says, Hey, Zach, I feel like the Raiders did Rich Basaccia. He says, he says, Rich, bitch, eho. <laughs> he has no idea how to spell it. He says, apologies for the incorrect spelling. I feel like the Raiders did Rich Basaccia dirty. He inherited a tire fire and led Vegas to the playoffs. Even when they were down in the wild card game, he rallied his team and they stayed alive. He had hand wrote, he hand wrote every player a letter telling them how much he enjoyed coaching them. He was clearly loved by his team. This reminds me of Jim Caldwell in Detroit. After a winning season, he was fired and replaced by a Patriots assistant. What do you think? Did the Raiders make the right move of letting him go, or do you agree with me on this? Did they do Rich Basaccia dirty? Maybe a little bit. Rich Basaccia did a great job. Uh, he was an interim head coach who got his team to a playoffs despite a terrible, horrific uh, couple events off the field. Now, remember, the last time I can remember an interim head coach, I'm sure it's happened since then, but last time I remember an interim head coach, being elevated to head coach full-time in the NFL. It was Freddie Kitchens in Cleveland. And he was a horrible, horrible, horrible head coach. I, I don't want to compare Richard Versace to Freddie Kitchens. One guy made the playoffs. One guy broke Baker Mayfield. Um, but, I, I, like, it's not always a good thing when you hire an interim head coach who seems to have momentum to be a head coach. Um, I think... In the end, it worked out the best for Rich Basaccia, where he got hired as the Packers special team coordinator. They desperately need a special teams coordinator. He's the best in the game. Remember, he had a punter, A.J. Cole, who was an all-pro. He had a kicker, Daniel Carlson, a second-team all-pro. I believe they both made the Pro Bowl, which is just voting, but whatever. Uh, the, the key is the Raiders have really, really good special teams. They had great special teams last year. Rich Basaccia is going somewhere where he'll be very appreciated and used very well to help the Packers win and make their special teams better. It's a great hire for the Packers. It's great for him. I think it all worked out in the best anyway. Um, but you could argue a little bit he got done dirty. But just remember that not every time an interim head coach is hired to be elevated to the head coach doesn't work out very well. Clay Helton in um, you know, was an interim head coach at USC. Stayed way too long, was never very good, held the program back. I mean... If it's an interim head coach, there's a reason they weren't the head coach in the first place, and usually you want to find someone who is your first choice, not your backup. Griffin writes in, Griffin says, Zach, 
longtime fan of two plus years, finally hopped on Patreon. Your channel has changed my life. Last night, I broke up with my girlfriend of three and a half years. We lived together in a cool place in the city. Your episode about your engagement call-off gave me the courage to make that decision. I love how you are not afraid to venture beyond sports sometimes. Because of your channel, I just bought a giant SUV I will be using to live out of in the San Juan Mountains starting in September. I believe that's Colorado. Uh, so happy and thankful I found your stuff when I did. Thanks, Zach. Griff. Griffin. Uh, cheers to that. Cheers to you living the life you want. Do what you want, not what others want you to do. Um, I was talking with my best friend yesterday. He was at my house. We were on my porch uh, in the moonlight. I had the light, you know, the lights are on. It's dark. It's at night. Nighttime. That's the word I'm trying to say. Um, we were talking about my adventure, getting ready to go live in a vehicle and drive across the country. Every single person in my life, I said, Zach, why are you going to live in a pickup truck? Get a van. Get a van. Vans are better. That's more comfortable. You're right. It is a little more bougie and comfortable. It's also more expensive. It's also harder to build out. I have a vision for how I can do a truck. I can completely see that in my head. It's what I want to do. And just because everyone thinks I should do a van doesn't mean I should change my opinion and cowtail. At some point, you have to know when to trust yourself and do what you're comfortable with and what you want to do, not what everyone says you should do. Everyone says you should get married. Everyone says you should have kids. It's kind of weird to be 24, almost 25, single, about to be homeless, basically, uh, and choosing to do so, by the way. And kind of other than my, I have my career, thank God. Otherwise, I'm kind of directionless in life. And... Uh, I don't know. I'm going to do what I want to do, not what other people tell me to do. And Griffin, I hope you do the same. Enjoy the San Juan Mountains. I am a little bit jealous of you, actually, that you get to do it. I guess I'll, I'm going to beat you to it. If in September uh, we can cross paths, let me know. I would love to connect. Uh, I, I'm going to spend a lot of time in Denver. Got a whole trip planned. And uh, Griffin, love you, man. Well done. And uh, look, live your life the way you want to live your life, not the way other people want you to live your life. Teddy said, Hey Zach, I just wanted to throw out some thoughts I have about all-star games in general. I don't think I agree with the premise that all-star games need to be intense games. It makes for a bit worse of an experience at the time, but I think that watching old legends have fun playing sports in the future makes it an incredibly fun and nostalgic experience. That brings me to my conclusion. The best way to watch all-star games is years later. Maybe that shouldn't be the case, but I would highly recommend watching an old Pro Bowl from your childhood with all your favorite players. Let me know your thoughts. Thanks. Here's my question, Teddy. You might be on to something. I think going back to watch Peyton Manning get, you know, playing against, I don't know, whoever and watching, man, um, Sean Taylor destroy somebody in the Pro Bowl. That sounds fun, right? Here's my question. Will these Pro Bowl games we just had, you know, the Pro Bowl this year with Patrick Mahomes screwing around, throwing a bazillion interceptions. Will that game be good in 15 years? Or was the past just better? Was there a little more effort in the past? The NBA All-Star game was objectively better in the past. I mean, people took it. When Kobe was in the All-Star game, challenging people, bringing the best out of them, people that maybe didn't want to go hard, but suddenly Kobe's guarding you full strength, 
You're like, oh, screw this guy. I'm going to pass him. I'm going to I'm going to take on the challenge, right? There's nobody in sports right now who can galvanize people the way Kobe used to be able to do to get the most out of people. And in football, it's just not going to happen. I think the Pro Bowl in general just needs to die. It's embarrassing for the league. The NBA All-Star Game has potential. Baseball, I think, has the best All-Star Game by far. It's good. You play an inning or two. No one gets hurt. It's fun. It's exciting. Um, you play 162 games. Like, why, why not play an inning or two more of another one? Like, it's fine. Um, so I hear you, Teddy. I'm going to keep mulling over that, but I, I think that part of what you're saying is that the past is better, which it is. Will these age well? We'll see. Well, uh, in 15 years, Teddy, track me down. We can compare. Uh, is the 2021 Pro Bowl actually good or not? Probably not, but I'll see you in 15 years. <laughs> I, I hope I come back to that. That'd be kind of fun, wouldn't it? Like, if 15 years from now I'm still doing the show, and I'm like, hey, Teddy. Uh, maybe I'll have Teddy on. We'll, 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 like, Skype through our brains or something. I don't know. In our flying cars. There's no way we're doing that 15 years. Um and we'll have Teddy on, and we'll be like, hello, so, did Mahomes screw it around, age well or not? Probably not, but we'll find out. Guys, that's all I have. I love you. I appreciate you. I'm getting very hungry. I've been 45 minutes in. I need a, I'm, I'm going to make a guacamole burger at 5 in the morning, happily. Got ziplining at 9. Going to drive across the other side of the island. It's beautiful here. I love it. I'm so happy. I love you guys. I appreciate you. Have a great day. Ba-dum-bum. Bam. We are done.